Hello, fellow B2B nerds, and welcome to the Merkle B2B Demand Gen Blueprint podcast. My name's Tim Brogan. I'm a B2B paid media strategist, and I've been working with marketers, planners, and specialists who design and deliver demand gen programs for the past 10 years. Over the course of this series, I'll be hosting discussions which unpack demand gen program design, and you'll hear from experts in strategy, ABM, media, and analytics who'll be sharing key trends and industry best practice to help you design more effective demand gen experiences. Today, we'll be having a discussion around the connected demand experience, how we create a unified customer experience across paid media and marketing automation, and how we measure this. I have some fantastic guests with me here today, all from within the Dentsu family, within the Merkel family. I have sitting next to me in the Sydney studio, Thomas Galuzzo, our digital analytics lead. Welcome, Thomas. Nice to be here. Mate, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you help clients? So I'm the director of uh, data analytics or the digital analytics lead for Merkle. And I work with clients around how to actually measure their campaigns and actually their on-site activity as well and try and make it easier for them to actually understand what is the return on investment they're bringing and the value that the activity that we are doing is actually driving for them. Fantastic. And joining us from our Singapore office, we have Kai Fazmi. Hi, Kai. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. That's good. That's good. Mate, can you tell us a little bit about what and why clients love you so much? Sure. To put it simply, I help our clients to shape and refine their digital marketing strategy as the head of biddable media in Merkle B2B. One part of my role is to manage the biddable platform experts right within my team. They cover search, social, and programmatic. And what they do is basically achieving the best outcomes for client campaigns. The other part of my role is to make sure that we keep up to date with the latest trends, innovations in the digital space, especially digital advertising, and also with integrating some of the client ideas and technology into services that we provide here in Merkle. Awesome. Well, I'm very lucky that I get to see you do that on a weekly basis, mate, and you're always very impressive. So good to have you on board. Thanks, Jim. And... Last but not least, Mitchell Holbrook. Kia ora, buddy. How are you doing? Kia ora. Yeah, great to hear from you. Thanks for inviting me on, Tim. I work for Digital Pie, which is an agency within Merkle that specializes in marketing automation. So as a marketing automation consultant, I work with clients to basically help them make the most of their customer data, especially in the realm of comms and nurturing and, yeah, converting those people who have come onto our database and we're just trying to get the right comms out to them at the right time to move them through the funnel. Awesome, mate. Really appreciate you joining us today. Excited to have the three of you together as we have this discussion on how we build connected demand experiences. I think it's the holy grail in B2B demand generation is to make sure we are being customer-centric and delivering tailored, personalized messaging across the funnel. And I think the interplay between performance media and marketing automation is such an important part of that. And it goes without saying that being able to measure that properly is hugely important. So I'm interested in everyone's viewpoints here and how we put that together. I think where I wanted to kick off, we're in a period of great uncertainty in terms of the macroeconomic picture. Marketers are dealing with a lot of change in terms of reduced budgets and different consumption behavior. I'd be really interested to hear from you guys how discussions and strategies are changing with your clients and how you're helping them navigate these tricky times. Thomas, I'd love to hear what you're talking to clients about at the moment. What I'm mostly talking to clients about is the cookie-less world from that perspective and especially around what does that mean from a privacy standpoint and how do we measure moving forward? 
it's a lot of conversations around what is the next step around measurement. There's a lot of looking for that silver bullet in terms of what is the answer to how we make sure we're driving value in our campaigns. So a lot of the conversations around with clients at the moment I'm having is, well, what have you got at the moment from a tech perspective to help drive that measurement pace moving forward? I think we can no longer sort of say, this is the right answer and this is how the rest of the industry has to measure, but actually truly understand what a client has that can drive that measurement forward. And the other piece around it is what are the different methodologies of how to measure. Back in the days, I used to joke with clients all the time that it's about bounce rate. And for like, you know, I've been in the industry for so long, that bounce rate was like, oh my God, my bounce rate 90% and now no one gives anything about bounce rate. But it's now around, do I have to talk to methodologies like how Google talks about the measurement track factor and Facebook is joining the same approach as well, where I have my attribution piece, I have my media mix modeling, and also then I have my experimentation incrementality to truly understand when I make these certain changes, what are the things that actually contribute Mm -hmm. to growth? So yeah, it's interesting times to talk about. I think there'll be more to say on Mm -hmm. attribution. I have some points I want to Mm -hmm. dig into that a little bit further as well. Kai, I'd love to hear what you're talking about when it comes to performance, because I think that is you know, a red hot topic for demand generation. And I'm interested to see how strategies are changing. What are you talking to clients about at the moment? Yeah, of course. I think 2023 has been pretty tough on, on the clients, and especially with the fear of recession, inflations, and all the economic instability. Right? So it's a lot of talk around efficiencies, um, especially in the performance space. And whenever we are, we're looking at strategies for client campaigns, building out a long-term plan, working with them on what exactly would be the best platforms, the best approach for achieving any of their business objectives. I think budgets have been pretty tight as of late. And I know that this is only within the first half of 2023. Right. Things hopefully will look up in the second half. Right. But right now, because we are working within this particular limit, it's a lot about how do we make the best out of it, working with certain key or maybe even global partners, right, to make sure that we're getting the best results for a client. And when it comes to demand generation, a lot of it has been streamlined, right? So it used to be a lot of different publishers, direct buys, working with really close or very niche trade publications, right? But right now, what we're trying to see and is basically how do we make sure that it becomes more cost efficient for the client to be able to hit the maximum number of outcomes that they want to, right? So it's more within the programmatic space that they are going into. And believe it or not, within the B2B world, programmatic is something that they are talking about, but not as advanced within as compared to the consumer side. That's really interesting. And it sounds like there's been a big rotation towards performance. And like I see with with certain advertisers moving away from the bigger brand initiatives and you're trying to get more juice out of your existing investment. Do you think there's any yeah. downsides to this or any risk? I think the risk is how do you become more personalized whenever you're pushing out that particular piece of message, right? Especially within the B2B side, it's a matter of building out content just beyond talking to them, right? And pushing out that message just beyond letting them know here's what we're good at, right? So probably you might want to work with us, but it's more so how can we benefit you, right? And content does play a huge role and is actually playing a bigger role here within the B2B space right now since we're looking at consumerization of the B2B audience, right? So it's more so 
we need to move away from all the static pieces of content, the white papers. They do have their merits, right? But it's more so how do you build that deeper emotional connection with the B2B audiences? Because they're turning to be more or they're turning to show more consumer traits, right? Rather than just straight on, okay, what are the USBs? And this is something that I want to buy. Okay. So what I'm taking away from that is that kind of with this swing towards performance advertising and demand generation, we still want to be thinking about the quality of the content that we're putting out in the top of the funnel. We need to make sure we're watering the tree and not just picking all the fruit, would you say? Yep, yeah. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. You cool. summed it up. Cool. Mitchell, you're deeply embedded in the marketing automation side of things. What's changing there, like in terms of client strategies? I feel like this is something that clients would be leaning into more now during these sort of times. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'm in a weird environment in that marketing automation or campaign operations is the generic term for everything that happens. Automation is just a part of that. But that whole concept is kind of new. It never really used to exist. To draw a really strange analogy, but trust me on this one, Back in the day, if you go back to, I don't know, medieval times, there were basically two main ages of people, children and adults. That was it. Teenagers as a concept is only a recent invention. Probably if you ask a historian, they'll say it was in the 40s and 50s that teenagers came along. And I kind of see us as the teenagers because we sit in between two very well-known and understood parts of the entire kind of marketing journey. So you've got the top of the funnel, lead acquisition, that's a known concept, that's an understood concept, and it evolves constantly. And I'm sure that you guys have endless things to talk about how that is changing. And then at the bottom of the funnel is that handover to sales and the final conversion. But then there's this huge middle area that companies are starting to pay more and more attention to. And it's like there's infinite possibilities of what you can do in this middle phase, this marketing nurturing phase to qualify those leads before you hand them over to sales. And it can get overwhelming. And I think there are a lot of distractions in this journey. There's so many different ways that you can break it down. There's so many shiny toys out there, pieces of marketing technology that you can purchase and add in and say, hey, we're doing this cool, new, exciting thing. The hardest part is just deciding, okay, we've got limited resources. We're capturing these leads. We need to get them ready for sales. What do we put those resources towards? What things do we do in the right order? And of course, there are blog posts out there. There are experts saying that this is like the journey. This is the template, just follow this template and it will work perfectly. But of course, every business is different. Every industry is different. And at the end of the day, you just need to have the right technology platforms and the right team members to actually just execute your conversion strategy to make it work. So yeah, it changes every single day, but it's also such a new thing that it doesn't really have a level of normal to even track that change against, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 100%. So the thing I was really excited about in, in getting the three of you together was to talk really about that connected customer experience. I think that it's like the holy grail that clients are striving for, being able to deliver these really tailored, personalized experiences. But in my work, my standpoint, I don't see a lot of that happening in, in kind of clients, you know, paid media programs. Like I don't see the journey connecting really nicely from all of the paid media creative assets right through to the nurture and marketing automation. What do you guys see as some of the challenges there or what might be holding clients back? stopping us from delivering these dynamic sort of more intelligent journeys? Yeah. The first thing is it's actually harder than it sounds. And some people probably hearing that description be like, oh, that's obvious. Of course, we're going to do that. And then other people will hear that and, and know, oh, okay, that sounds easy and it's not. And that's definitely the case. 
just dealing with different types of data at different stages of the sales journey, I guess, that's probably the biggest barrier. And it's the sort of thing where it can very easily end up in the too hard basket because the way that you define, say, your customer segments, in theory, they're completely consistent from start to finish. They never change. But the data that you've got to work with isn't necessarily completely aligned from the start to the end of that journey. So then you've got these problems where people are going to fall into one category and they're going to get one segmented message at this point. And then in the middle of the journey, oh, they've magically ended up in another category. And that might sound like, how could that possibly happen? But the data can get so messy. And if you if your database isn't like the most pristine database in the world and no one's is pristine, then it can be really hard to get that journey right and consistent. And sometimes people will associate a risk with that and they'll be like, let's not do it until it's absolutely perfect. And of course, it will never be absolutely perfect. So yeah, a yeah. lot of reasons, but it mm. is hard. It is really technical. If any one thing goes wrong, your whole journey doesn't work the way that you designed it to. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. I think when it comes to data, basically the data is also, aside from being fragmented, being managed by different teams, and especially when you're talking about working in the B2B space, working with organizations, they have multiple teams handling just one single consumer journey or customer journey, and they don't necessarily usually talk to each other or are fully integrated. Yeah, there are really good use cases right out there which have set an example. However, a lot of the organizations are still trying to figure that out. So it's very, very fragmented in that sense. And also within APEC, the adoption of technology may be a little bit slower as compared to EMEA, for example. And because all the markets are also fragmented and they have their own yeah, sets of technology that they're using, it might not be all at the same level at this particular point in time. So trying to be able to merge all those sources and harmonize them, right, is a major challenge. And I'm speaking from an APEC point of view. Yeah, right I see so yeah. many examples of exactly what you're talking about, Kai. Like a classic yeah. that you would think is so simple and it's not, is especially in the APEC region, we've got lots of different languages out there and many businesses are promoting to countries with different localized marketing campaigns. And very simple equation. If person is in country X, then they will receive campaign Y. In some cases, they're just perfectly perfect translations of each other. But in most cases, different marketing teams with slightly different messaging for different markets. So it's like, okay, great. It's all based on country. But then they enter into your customer database and there might be a field in that database called preferred language. And their preferred language, they might self-select that their preferred language is a different one from the one that you're expecting. Or through some quirk of the data collection, it could get standardized as the wrong value. And now they end up in a completely different marketing segment, receiving a completely different campaign with a completely different message. Now, of course, the problem can be solved if the people running the top of the funnel communicate with the people further down to say, hey, just to be clear, we need to make sure that it's always based on this exact data parameter, which lives in this field on this database. And then everyone can align to it. But then the organization has to be so good at that internal communication. Yeah. And I think the more people involved, the more chances are for that sort of thing to go wrong. So siloed data, multi-headed beasts that we're dealing with in terms of clients with lots of different functional teams who are involved in these processes, creating challenges. It rings true with me. I've worked with clients where you've got teams who are managing demand marketing budgets and teams who are managing brand marketing budgets, and you're missing a trick, not connecting those things. But I saw Thomas has been nodding sagely. A lot of those things were resonating with him. All of that is true, and I definitely do agree with all of that. One thing I would point out is 
the one of the stoppage or why it's not successful is actually sometimes buying internally with a client. The amount of times you can see that a client that comes to you and they're like fully engaged and they want to do it and everything, but it's around about how you get the whole organization across that journey as well. And this is across any initiative you're trying to achieve, I find. It's around how do you drive, I think as us as an agency, we need to start thinking about how do we drive enablement and that's within with our clients as well. How do we actually start getting to get clients to move the needle, not just the ones that we talk to every day, but all those senior leaders in that C-suite. They're the ones that are making the decision at the end of the day and they're the ones that can put a kibosh or stop the activity. And I'll find a lot of the time when they don't get it, they're going to stop it. And so I think that all is true. Is It's the then the buy-in, the organization. How do you influence the rest of your client's organization to come along to that journey as well? Mm-hmm. So really, I suppose... Uh taking everyone on the entire journey, including the most senior stakeholders in a way that's going to be meaningful for yeah. them and making sure you've got the change process management in place to actually implement and execute these things properly is all really, all, really key. It's all really yeah. important. And budget as well, for example, like it's very important and who controls the budget from the end of the day is another factor to consider as well. I'm especially speaking from Australia in particular is very much around who controls the budget is sometimes it's the CFO and they don't know what marketing is doing. So it's actually truly understanding how do you bring that CFO along that journey. At the end of the day, they care most of the time they care about numbers and spreadsheets, but and the marketing person is limited as to what they can achieve. So yeah, it's around- and that can be one of the hardest things to do because sometimes the return on investment is not obvious and it's not immediate. To get these sorts of integrated campaigns to work, you have to do all of this back-end work, all of this data massaging, all these retiring old fields and setting up new fields. It's very unsexy. It takes a really long time. You need lots of technical people to do it. And it doesn't come with a flashy new marketing campaign. That's something mm-hmm. that's dealt with by someone else. But they're all backend changes that make things work so much more smoothly. And by finding a kind of internal champion at the client who kind of gets it and sees the value, you really need to lean on those people to help to spread that throughout the whole organization. So we've covered off a bit of the tech stack stuff, organizational change management, bringing along key stakeholders if we want to get these projects up and running. I think that stuff is all super useful and, and really interesting. The other thing that I think is worth talking about, so there's been you know a tremendous amount of change in terms of privacy and legislation, and this all impacts on our ability to collect data, our ability to kind of maintain a persistent identity when we're running these programs across multiple channels and trying to deliver that sort of unified customer experience. How are you guys managing that? And Thomas, I'll start with you, buddy. It's a bit of an interesting one, especially in the Australian market, to be honest, because a lot of it's waiting around to see what the government does with in terms of privacy, in terms of what they are regulating. We're assuming it's going to be GDPR, something similar to what is in the EU. So a lot of it's around what can we do now to drive that privacy and consent when we do campaigns. It's around ensuring that what the campaigns are doing is efficient at the same time, but driving that privacy. And the other big thing at the moment is more around, obviously, in the Australian market, we've had those big scandals around the data hacking. And it comes down to the fact that these clients have all this data because it was all about big data and data warehousing. And it's like, we need to get license numbers. And anyone who works in the marketing industry knows you can't use license numbers to actually market against. So what's the point? More data, more problems. Yeah, exactly right. And so it's, it's interesting to see the conversation. The privacy is the big thing, but there's a little part that every clients need to also talk about when you talk about privacy is like, what are we actually capturing? 
And is it actually necessary for what we're trying to achieve? And I think that's probably where the interesting conversation is because privacy, you can get to consent mode and, you know, there are rules that we can apply, but it's around about how do you, what are you getting what you need and what do we don't need and can get rid of? Awesome. And I love more data, more problems. I think you've got a t-shirt there, Mitch. You can <laughs> print that one up. Trademarked. Moving on from identity and, and getting into the execution of these programs. I wanted to get your opinion, Kai, working in the performance space, what role do you think creativity and content have in B2B marketing and B2B demand gen? And what sort of conversations are you having with clients about this? Where do you reckon the level's at? Right now, the conversations that we have, I mean, the clients have already opened their eyes, understanding that the, the audiences, the B2B audiences are making a shift. Right. I think it's a generational shift, right? So more, uh, I read somewhere that more millennials are in higher positions. They're becoming more decision makers. They do a lot more research on their own. They're more self-sufficient and they tend to bring in quite a lot of habits from their own day-to-day -day life, right? So take, for example, it's very consumerish habits, traits that we are seeing right now. So they're looking at something which is Emotionally drawn, not just the USPs, right? So you're stating hard facts, right? Hard facts probably are a little bit too cold for them to digest at this point in time. So they need a little bit warmer approach to it, which is why I think it does play an important role when we are syncing up between performance as well as the creative and the content that we are pushing out. And a lot of this can be based on this one umbrella to call personalization. And it is nothing new. Personalization has been going about, right, for a pretty long time, but mostly in the consumer space. Within the B2B side, it is something relatively new to them, something that has a little bit of a shock when you're talking about, oh yeah, we need to create more videos to talk about and be more personal, build that emotional relationship together with the potential clients, right? And this is something that they've never experienced before. Right. Especially when it comes to all the decision makers and be like, are you sure this is something that they really want to do? Won't they want all the white papers? Yes, they do. Right. They do want the white papers, but there is this other element where how can you actually build a partnership together with whatever that you are actually bringing into the organization? So take, for example, you're changing the entire infrastructure for an organization. You need to have that relationship built together as partners instead of, okay, you're giving me the product and I'm implementing it into my organization. True. And I guess that one of the challenges that I see is a lot of the marketing collateral that we receive, like we work with a lot of global clients and you get your sort of matching luggage and we're extending that out into APAC markets, which are really nuanced and diverse. And I just feel like there is a bit of a challenge there. And it was interesting to hear what you're saying. Mitchell, I'd be interested in just from a marketing automation perspective, good content, how important is it? And particularly when it comes to APAC markets and what I was just speaking about there with it being so nuanced. Yeah, absolutely. As you collect more data and as you get more technology on your side, you get more options and you have more opportunities to be creative and to make your content more personalized, as Kai said. But just having more options isn't necessarily a good thing. It's like going to a restaurant and their menu is 50 pages long, you begin to think that maybe not every single dish is going to be good. And it really takes leadership, someone who's got a really strong vision for how the strategy is going to work and be like, actually, this is the thing that's going to make a difference when it comes to the content. 
And whether that comes from your established personas or whether that's just split by your markets and the different messaging and approach that you've got for each one, it doesn't really matter so long as there's someone who understands it really well and can communicate with all the different people involved to keep that all consistent and to keep that journey logical and tell a single cohesive story from start to finish. I completely agree, mate. Really good insights there. We are running short of time, sadly. So I think I've probably got one question left and I want to pivot a little bit away from content and creativity. One of the challenges that I speak to my clients about frequently is about how do we spend adequately? How do we determine budget investment splits between markets and also between our channels? I think a lot of the time it's really managerial judgment that can determine this. And often there's not a lot of science behind it, but it's a really important topic. Thomas, analytics is probably something that can help in that space. Yeah, it's true. A lot of the time we see it from a managerial like budget perspective and it is true. Adding that scientific approach, there are things we can do, even simply doing a response curve to actually understand where is your minimum diminishing return going to be and where is the point where it's pointless spending at this level because you're going to not get what you can from a, a leads perspective. And the same goes for when do we actually start to see leads coming in from a budget perspective as well, why you shouldn't spend so less. It always surprises clients when I do those response curve analysis presentations because they always, as you say, a lot of the time it's based on managerial gut feeling like, oh, it's this is how we've done it in the past. And obviously there are limitations with certain platforms, but it's actually trying to put forward the idea and challenging how we look at assigning budget to each of the different channels, but also understanding what role each channel has in bringing that lead across. And so it's quite important to actually start doing that analytics piece at the beginning stage and not at the end, which is where most of the time analytics has the biggest brought in part. Yeah, I feel like bringing in analytics at an earlier stage is going to ensure that we do have kind of the right KPIs in place and understand how to measure them. I think the ideas you have around running reach curve analysis, I think that can be really useful and it's something we should be considering in our programs. Guys, I think we have time for one more. So to finish off, I'd love to get a hot take from each of you. What is the key innovation you are excited about in 2023 that you feel like B2B advertisers should stand up? and take notice of? How do you think they can use this to enhance their demand programs? Kai, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. The buzzword right now is AI. (laughs) So how do you integrate AI into either your automation, making it work for you when it comes to optimization? How do you use it, right? To streamline the processes that you currently are doing right now, right? And especially if you are such a lean team within the organization itself, How do you leverage on that to provide the biggest level of output that you can provide? People are talking about ChatGPT and all that, right? But understand that ChatGPT came out several months ago and right now it has already progressed, right, to the point where it is. And I think AI is really going to have an impact in 2023 and especially when organizations actually are open to see how do they integrate this level of technology into their current stack. True. I actually use ChatGPT to write all of my correspondence to you, mate. I'm that lazy. <laughs> Mitchell, what about you, mate? Yeah, look, it's hard to not talk about the AI elephant in the room, but I'm going to try and avoid it because my hot take is we as marketers, especially ones that like technology, we should buy a few less toys. That's not to put down any of the fantastic marketing technology that's out there, but really 
be surgical about what technology you choose to invest in. And whatever you invest in, invest many times more than that in the team that you're going to use to operate it. Because I've seen some of the best creative, some of the best technology in the industry go to waste because balls were dropped at the operational stage. Things were missed at the operational stage. That meant leads went to waste or they didn't get routed to the correct person or they disappeared into the mysterious black hole. So yeah, that's my hot take. That's Spend awesome. a little bit less spend a little bit less on shiny toys and spend a little bit more on your awesome operations team. I'm always going to be biased on that though. Love it. Love it. Thomas. I'm going to stay away from AI, but my point that all innovation I'm looking forward to is actually to see what the future holds from a privacy and cookie perspective. I think I'm looking forward to seeing what marketers do. I think Google keeps delaying when they're going to get rid of third-party cookies and everyone's got their fingers crossed that Google decides it's 2025 because it's another year. But I'm looking forward to it being what is the stage. I've talked about it for so long, so it's a bit more like what is going to happen. I think I know that sounds a bit the industry is all worried and everything, but I actually am looking forward to seeing what the future holds. I think this is the one of the times that you would consider it from a digital innovation standpoint. It's a turn in terms of what the standard has been, and it's a point where we can get excited about what do we do now. So that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, 100%. It's a big opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what Google have in store and when they stop kicking the can up the road. But I think what the new identity solutions end up looking will be really interesting. Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your time and your thoughts. Really appreciate it. I think there's some great takeaways for marketers at all levels there and lots that they could be thinking about when it comes to actually putting rubber to the road and starting to build better, more customer-centric connected journeys. So thank you again, team. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for the Merkle B2B Demand Gen Blueprint podcast series. If you'd like to find out more about Merkle or the Merkle B2B superpowers research, you can visit us on our website or email us on inquiry at merkleinc.com.au or click the link in the episode description below. Thanks again.